This podcast was made in partnership with Baltimore Youth Film Arts, or BYFA. BYFA is a program offering city residents between the ages of 16 and 29 the chance to learn various media skills from professionals in the industry. Our mission is to build an online archive of Baltimore voices, a representation of our city, current and historical, real and imagined. Learn more at www.filmartsbaltimore.org. Welcome to Inside Stories, where Baltimoreans explore perspectives on incarceration. For full interviews, visit the BYFA website. In this edition of Inside Stories, we're focusing on outside stories, reconnecting with former interviewees about their life after incarceration. All too often, narratives about incarceration end with prison. By continuing the conversation, we hope to change that. Today's episode, we're speaking with Stanley Bobby J. Kenneth Tucker, Mark Demons, Bill Gardner. We first spoke to Stanley Bobby on the 9th of November 2021. We had just been released from a 33 year sentence, having spent 20 years in prison. It has been over a year since then, so we called him back. A key component leading up to Mr. Bobbitt's incarceration was a lack of brotherhood and positive role models. In that time right there, I was just a follower. I just follow a lot of guys, a lot of older guys, looking for looking for my big brother and other guys, looking for my big brother who gonna be who gonna be good to me, who gonna be nice to me. So these guys were just standing outside. They was running around. And because uh because these guys were just running around outside, I got with the program. Today Mr. Bobbitt expresses how he's become a positive role model through food and philanthropy. Well, my name is uh, Stanley Bobbitt Jr. I was incarcerated for 13 and a half years in, uh, in the Maryland system. Um, I was incarcerated for murder at the age of 18. Uh, I was sentenced to 20 years. And in, those 20, in, that, in that 13 and a half years, I learned about myself. I had to grow up. I had to become an adult. And um, it was a struggle for me in the beginning because I was so young. But over time, you know, God, he, uh, he made a way. He allowed me to mature and he allowed me to become a better man. And I met some good men along the way. God role models, a lot of uh, mentors. And I became, a men- I became a mentor and then I had my mentees. So it was good, man. I won't take the chapter away out of my life for nothing. I keep that chapter in. So even though someone lost their life, I lost my life as well. But God, he, he awoken me. He woke me up, allowed me to see. Uh, mm. I was walking in darkness. BYFA fellow Coronel brings us up to speed. Was anything new happening in your life since last time we spoke? I don't know if I shared with y'all. I was working, purchased a car, um, volunteering at DC Dream Center. That's been remarkable. Which has been like a cooking class for the young. Uh, at Rich Youth, which has been good on Langston Lane. It's been real good. I love going every day to see that, like, cooking, man. Cooking can open many different doors for you in many different ways if you want them to. Because a lot of a lot of people live in, in the southeast of D.C. It's a food desert, basically. You don't have mm. fresh everything over there. You know, we gave a kid a green pepper. And the kid was like, I'm so used to eating these on pizza. I ain't never had no fresh green pepper. You know what I mean? Wow. 
I was laughing at him, and he's like, why are you laughing, Mr. Sanitary? I'm laughing because you taste it, and you're like, dang, this is fresh. You can taste mm -hmm. the difference between fresh and frozen, and now it's going to change you for the rest of your life. Your palate has changed. Instructor Stan Saunders asked a question that we all were wondering about. What bugs you, man, about today's world? Since you've been out, what, what really bugs you? Technology. <laughs> I ain't that tech savvy, like reading emails and all that stuff. I'll be having like a thousand emails. Could they email you for everything? You can go to Giant right now and be like, do you want to print your receipt through your email? No, <laughs> just give me a receipt. <laughs> give me a receipt. I don't want to email for my receipt. Ah, uh, technology. Can't live with it, can't live without it. And now to wrap up this segment with Mr. Bobbitt, fellow Regia Camp 4. Stanley, what's something you're looking forward to after this interview or just in the future of this year? This year, what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking for more classes, more interviews like this, more uh, chance to help or just share with the next generation, like what it's like to be incarcerated, uh, the experience of how I see life now, the, um, the day in and day out that I never take it for granted. Like I was, I just was sitting here eating with my, a friend of mine and I wanted to tell him like, Hey, bro, I'm eating at a table. We had Chipotle. I don't need to eat Chipotle. I thought they got a sack. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Bro? Who does that? But uh, I was just so thankful because I remember, like, when I couldn't choose what I had, it was what it, what it was on my own commissary. And I was just thankful that, like, I was thankful because I haven't seen him. It's my child in front. I haven't seen him since I was in gospel. So. Since I left, so I was um, just thankful, man. I just thankful. Like, I don't take it for granted, man. I'm just thankful. That's it. When we called Tenneth Tucker in November of 2021, he was still in transitional housing only months out of a 45-year sentence. Despite this, he was already planning on giving back to the community. I'm in my 60s now, but I still have a little, you know, have a little uh, energy to uh, work full-time. And I ultimately wants to go back and get my master's degree. Uh, I don't know what school, but... And from that, I just want to continue to... Uh, to try to help these uh, uh, these gang members, man. That's that's the main thing I want to do. I want uh, to try to quell some of this unnecessary violence because uh, it's, it's it's consuming the city. It's it's, it's I mean it's, it's a driving force to a lot of negativity, and that's my main focus. The work he's talking about is with AVP Anti Violence Program, who he started with in prison and was still working with when we called him again in 2022. The second time we called, he had a little more time to elaborate on his work. That particular group deals with uh, uh, more or less quelling its issues with dealing with uh, uh, violence, uh, enabling people to, to, to get different types of techniques and, and skills to, to deal with communications. Uh, and also what it does, it, uh, it incorporates uh, having the youth deal with other youth and helping them deal with different situations. What I would like to reveal uh, through my situation 
is that hopefully one of these gang members can see uh, that, you know, what they're doing is, 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 is not only, you know, tearing the community up, but it's destroying their own lives. We also asked Mr. Tucker what his methods were to helping gang members. Probably trust. Uh, trust will be the main factor because, number one, it's an it's age, age gap. It's an age difference. Uh, you know, I've been off the streets for 45 years. The stuff that I, I identify with as a youth, they no longer identify with. Uh, not only that, uh, it's the situation, uh, uh, much more youth are, are, are more violent now, more prone to violence because, number one, they, they, they lack the communication skills to, to deal with any particular matter, whether it be uh, minor or major. Uh, so trust probably would be the number one factor. And, but once they, once they, once they begin to trust, once they begin to trust people, the communication gates just, just open up. Because Mr. Tucker had been incarcerated for so long, we wondered if there was anything that had surprised him or that he had to be adjusted to after being released. I was shocked to see so many vacant homes, so many vacant houses, that, that kind of shocked me because uh, growing up in the city, uh, Baltimore City basically was a, a working class city and almost everyone worked. Despite the initial shock, Mr. Tucker expressed surprise at the quality of his transition. It was smooth, I, I could say that. It was, it was a smooth transition and uh, within perhaps, because I've been released now, eight months uh and the more challenging thing is the basic stuff like uh getting a, a social security card getting a, a a driver's license uh stuff like that uh in terms of uh adjusting to to my family uh my old friends and new friends i made uh it hasn't been challenging at all because i what i bring i bring i bring a sense of sincerity to 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 whoever I'm dealing with, and I try not to be fake, and try to keep it real as possible. And uh, uh, and what happens is that once once a person sees that you're real, it kind of, as in dealing with the youth, it kind of opens up the door that okay, well this guy's sincere. He's not you know pretending or trying to you know be something that he's not or whatever. So uh, it's really been very basic, you know, uh, because this this is it's a more technical world now. So you know, when I left the streets, every, everything was on, you know, paper and pencil. So it wasn't no computers or nothing like that. So since it's so technical now, you, I mean, you, you had to be in the system. Uh, you had to have all your, all your so-called documents or all your records or whatever. And that has been the most challenging for me. When we first interviewed Mr. Demines back in November of 2021, he had a lot of plans for his future after being released from prison. Since I've been home, I, I managed, you know, I'm enrolled in, in college right now. I just got finished doing my college homework before y'all, before I got on the Zero. This is my third semester right here that I'm completing right now. And I'm trying to get a degree in human services so I can be an addictions counselor from there, take it and call it to an addictions counselor. Um, I, I, I got engaged a couple months ago. I'll be married in June. Naturally, his wedding was the first thing we asked about when we reunited with Mr. Demines in April of 2022. Yeah, we wanted to know how you were doing with that marriage too, man. You're still <laughs> married for one thing, right? 
Yes, definitely. I'm still married. And like I say, I was already mentally married. I mean, it was just what then had a ring and the paperwork. But I was already locked in on it already. So it's, it's still it's the same. How has your relationship with your wife impacted your life since post-incarceration? Rajia Kempor, BYFA fellow. Oh man. Well, you know, I'm 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 from the from the hood, so to speak. So I can just give it to you straight, cut to the chase, give it to you straight like this. Without my wife, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't have the success that I have now. And I and I don't think I would really have the attitude that I have going forward in life. Meaning that, you know, I get up every morning, 2.30 in the morning. I, I, I get my clothes on, I walk the dogs, I go to work. And like I tell everybody, I don't particularly like my job, but as a man, this is my responsibility to help and provide for my family, help take care of my family. I do it for my family. So she's my motivation. So mostly everything I do, I do for her. They used to say this when I was a, in, when I was like a fool and a thug for the short lack of a better term. I used to say that uh, boys, uh, men do what they want to do. Boys do what they can. But no, that's not the, that's not the saying I have now. The saying I have now is men do what they supposed to do. Boys, you know, do what they want to do. Men do what they supposed to do. So that's my basically my formula and recipe for I do. The things I do, the getting up in the morning, 2.30, the going to work, you know what I'm saying, the coming home, the paying the bills, you know what I'm saying, being polite and respectful to people, even people I don't know, you understand? Know these these are the things that, that I do that inspire other people. The interview took an emotional turn following BYFA fellow Corel O'Neill's lead. What has like been the struggles that you've been dealing with ever since you got uh, out of jail? Oh, uh, man, I'm, a, I'm just going, uh, I mean, they, they, they're, they're a lot. I don't think we have a time in this all of them. So I'm just going to give you a few of them like this. Um, one of the struggles has been uh, dealing with family. Because my idea of family is, it, it, it was a little different. You know, family is family. Family means everything. You said you love a person. Love do not put love in harm's way by any means, you know. Um, so, like I say, dealing with my family has been a struggle somewhat. You know, not all of my family, but some of them struggle, been a struggle dealing with them. I have a sister that's struggling with addiction. My sister has three kids. She does not have one of her kids. So... I love my sister. I always have loved my sister, always been close to my sister. She's my youngest sister. And so when she asks me for money and things of that nature, at first I gave them to her without hesitation. But then I started thinking, I'm taking this money from a job that I don't like, giving it to you. You're probably just going to get high with it. This money can go to your kids who you're, so that you don't have or you're not taking care of. But when I convey that message to her, now me and her having a falling out. We having a, a problem, you know what I'm saying? So now I gotta have the tough love. Now I tried to focus on the tough love, but focus more on the love than the tough, but that wasn't working. That wasn't working because of her selfishness through her addiction, that wasn't working. So I had to just 
the, the, the hardest thing for me to do was what I was, was separate myself from her. I had to, I had to really, I had to cut my ties from her. That, that hurts me, but it was necessary. And, this, and one of the other ones was, I have had some good friends that I've had along the way in prison that are still in prison. And it hurts me that the reality of it is uh, a lot of them ain't, even, ain't getting out. A lot of them not gonna get the opportunity I got. And that is one of my motivations for doing what I do out here is because I know some of them ain't going to get out here and get the opportunity I got. So I'm not going to squander my opportunity when there's so many of them that still there that ain't going to get the opportunity. So, you know, the struggle. And, and since I've been home, I probably done been to, no, 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 no exaggeration, I probably done been to 10, 10 funerals, 10 viewers of, of by people that done, done passed and deceased. And majority of them guys that I met in jail that came home and OD and and things of that nature. So that that's that's hard for me to 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 see that. You know, call me for weddings, bar mitzvahs, uh, baby showers, anything but a friend. In the face of grief and loss, and despite a demanding work schedule, Mr. Demines still makes the time to keep his faith. I go to Juma every Friday. Um, and, and this is the month of Ramadan right here. So it's even more, it was more important on it this month. So yeah, I go to Juma every Friday, whether I get there a little late or early, I'm there. And, and as I work in a bakery. So every Friday I ask my supervisor, can I get this bread? And I take two boxes of bread to the mass gym every Friday and donate it. And every Sunday I donate it to anywhere else. And every, every, and that's, that's what I do. I do that. I try to do that now without, without fail. This is what this is what helped keep me grounded and centered, and and help make my journey out here a little easier. So so I need I need that. And I think that's what a lot of us. I ain't saying you need to be Muslim, but a lot of us just lack in spirituality. So mm -hmm. since I gained it, it been a it, God ain't never failed me personally. So I don't see no need to stop uh, believing in Him now and stop worshiping now because I believe. Oh, Wally, that God was the one that opened the doors for me and helped me get out here. Between weddings, funerals, and Friday service, Mr. Demines inspired us with his devotion to his wife and his willingness to discuss tough topics. Mr. Tucker inspires many with his dedication to rebuilding trust between gang members and elders through the anti-violence program. And Stanley Papa Jr., despite technical difficulties, taught us to nourish our own relationship with others through community and good food. That concludes this episode of Inside Story. Thank you for listening. This program was made possible by Baltimore Youth Film Arts, Johns Hopkins University, and the Mellon Foundation.